I just got inspired for the next deacons meeting. One alligator, four deacons, and the pastoral staff. You feeling it? Good morning. How many of you guys think Freedom Center Church is growing? Well, that's true, but I think it has something to do with the time change. How many of you guys want to stick around to the next service and go, huh, I think it's constricting. I heard the rumors are true, you know. Good to see everybody here this morning. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name's Jim, and I get to be the senior pastor because God has a wonderful sense of humor, and he is filled with grace, and uh, I married Dina. So those three reasons are probably the best reasons of all. I do want to say before we get started today, one quick thing, and, and that is um, coming up very soon is something called Veterans Day. Now, I have been mocked and made fun of and manipulated by our veteran community because I would have them stand and people would clap and they hate that. So last year, I outsmarted the whole thing. All the veterans got to sit down. Everybody else stood up and they hated that even more. Um, and last, uh, last week, I was teaching somewhere at a, a ministry, and somehow it came up that I was a veteran, and they, they said, oh, thank you for your service. And I had that moment where everybody's been complaining about, like, and she wanted to make a big deal. No, really, serving your country. I'm like, hey, just, like, I mean, guys know the only thing you can do is kind of pull a Chick-fil-A and go, it's, it's my pleasure. You know, God bless waffle fries. Amen. So let's just do this. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. If you raised your right hand and said, I swear to defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, you have earned something in our culture um, called honor. We appreciate whether you were ever downrange in a hostile environment, or you just stood your post and walked back and forth, or you drank the water at Pendleton, or you, you went into the jungles of Central America, or the deserts of the Middle East. Seriously, like, thank you. Um, without men and women like you, so many of the other things God would want to do would be prohibited. They, they would not be allowed. There wouldn't be an environment for it. So every place there's a border called freedom, there's people on that border with weapons and orders. And we are so grateful that you raised that right hand. And maybe you did it for the college money, but I guarantee you this, by the time you got out of AIT, you were a patriot. You look at your flag differently than the guy that doesn't. How many still, whether a veteran or not, you still cry a little bit when you hear the national anthem? Especially, especially when the Phillies get beat during that game, right? You're just like, oh, just shed a little tear, right? Yeah, you're still crying. I'm sorry. It's a tough day on you, Pastor Carl, isn't it? I know, I know. So would you just anonymously receive our gratitude today? Can we, can we thank our veterans today to do that? Yeah, right on. Um, so good morning live stream if that's what the the switcher is on we are starting a new series today and really the series comes out of this I was on my lawnmower the other day how many guys know God speaks on lawnmowers not not behind lawnmowers on lawnmowers all I hear when I'm pushing a lawnmower is I need to get a lawnmower that has wheels on it that I can sit on. But I was driving back and forth, and it's just like farming. It's, you know, you go that way, you turn on, you come back the other way, you turn on. And I, I often get into a conversation with God during monotonous times for some reason. Silence bothers me. And so I, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, you know, for years, I can't, I can't tell how many, how many years, I've read a chapter of Proverbs every day. I look forward to kind of that first 10 days of Proverbs. I get warned 17 times to beware of adulterous women and, and honest scales are good and liars are bad and faithful. Would I, and and I, I, love, I love the book of Proverbs. The other day, I, was, I wasn't complaining to the Lord, but I was concerned that for the wisdom that I've enjoyed in leadership, and I, I, I hope that that's where I got it from, is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? You know? Better than hard knocks. The other way to get wisdom is to be really stupid and have the scars to prove it. Uh, both are testimonies. But I, 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 I just said to him, I, how, would I get, like, how would I get closer to you? Because even though I might have wisdom and leadership, I feel like I have anointing for healing. 
I don't, I don't feel like I know a lot about miracles, signs, and wonders. I've been leading a congregation for 27 years. I've been full-time ministry for 35. And I, I just, I don't know that I'm any more effective in, in the miraculous than I was maybe even less effective in the miraculous now because I've got, I've got a strong relationship with wisdom. How many of you know wisdom and faith are good friends? But, but just hard to listen to both at the same time. You know, you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night. Wisdom says, don't get out of the boat. But what does Jesus say? Get out of the boat, right? It's like, well, you got to know which voice to listen to. Well, I listen so much to wisdom, and forgive me if I say this poorly, but sometimes my wisdom is just an excuse for spiritual cowardice. It, it isn't an abundance of wisdom. It's a lack of faith. Anybody get what I'm talking about? So, Lord, how would I get closer to you in the, these ways? Not, not just in leadership or practicalities or budgets or you know, help, like, well, how would I get closer to you in bringing the kingdom of God to earth? And I, I've just felt the Lord quicken me, say, well, you've got wise in Proverbs. Is there anything else that might talk about, you know, like what the apostles did, like the acts, you know, of, of the apostles that might be out there for you? Like, yes, yes, there is. Thank you. There's a book called the book of Luke and, and uh, the book of Acts. And sure enough, there are people just like me, just like you trying to figure it out. Now, a lot of them walked with a resurrected Jesus. That might be a distinct advantage. But Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so I'm one who hasn't seen with my physical eyes a resurrected Jesus, but my heart has seen him a thousand times. And so today I want us to start uh, doing what, what we did with Proverbs for years, and that is reading a chapter a day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in some months, and you've got to double up sometimes. Well, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. So whether you're online, Jim Parkin, Grand Blank, come on, down in Mississauga, Nowheresville, Mississippi, uh, other, that's, that's a Pontotoc, not Mississauga, that's a rattlesnake, isn't it? Sorry, sorry, no offense. In Mississippi, or wherever you are, listen to me, how about, what would happen to us if we got into a chapter of the book of Acts every day, 28 days, in the next month? And, and, the, and the challenge, the goal is, now that we become wiser, I think we can, but the goal is, what if we understood a little bit more about what it's like to be a normal person trying to bring an extraordinary kingdom and the glory of its king into this world? Come on. And so join me, will you? We're going to do this. So you starting today. Well, today's what, the sixth or something? So just like high school, you're already way behind. But how many of you guys are comfortable there? Like, that was your sweet spot. Like, the homework's not due and it's for another 20, you know, 21 days. You still got, like, 20 days to be apathetic and not even start if you want to. You're nodding your head. You make me nervous, buddy. I'm just saying. You're there with me. What was your GPA in high school? Yes. I should have sat next to you. I would have gotten higher than 1.8. So, um, so let's do this. Let's just, let me just set up the book of Acts for you. We're going to study kind of a, a major theme per seven chapters. Next week, we have between 7 and 14, 14, 21, and then 21 to 28. But obviously, the main theme in the first seven chapters is there is this terrible problem that Jesus was sent to solve. Genesis chapter 1, there are no problems anywhere with anything. Chapter 2, even better, because now they get blessed to like have babies, and, and it's, it's just a wonderful place. Genesis chapter 3, it all falls apart, because God had given, and we'll just call them keys, but authority. Here, here's, you're in charge. You have the keys to these locks. Take this. The whole world is yours. Explore every mountain, cross every desert, explore every valley, go to the bottom of the ocean, go to the top of Everest, and have a picnic for all I care. It is all yours, and just go and multiply and be fruitful and subdue the earth and, and just, just be, be on the earth what I would be on the earth. But there was this, this kind of evil character in the Genesis narrative. We know him later as Satan or the devil, but he's revealed as a serpent. And he, he, he basically steals their keys. 
He basically, God he says, here's the keys. And he goes, well, did God really say? Well, it doesn't seem like, well, I don't know. And they did exactly what God told them not to do. How many of us know that when we listen to the liar, we empower the lie and we end up where lies take us? And so that's exactly what they did. So they said, oh, okay, well, then we'll give you the keys. So now Satan's driving. How many of you guys know we live in a world where Satan's got some keys? We might as well talk about the election. There's, there, we live in a world, right, where, where there's some there. Don't get me started on politics. Get me finished on politics. Um, so the rest from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the Gospels, it, it's literally God saying, let's figure this out. Let's, let's find a way to get back to the mandates of the garden. Let's find a way to get rid of sin. And so there's judges and there's kings and there's prophets and there's laws and there's lawyers and there's, there's all this stuff. And what it's doing is just kind of like, so we didn't kill each other. God said, thou shalt not kill. Otherwise, it'd be like, seems reasonable to me, right? Thou shalt not steal. But he's got two, I got none. It seems right that I should take from the oneeth that has twoeth that I might have oneeth twoeth. And God goes, no, it's called stealing. Don't do that. So, so he has to lay it out for us in laws enforced by judges, enforced by, revealed by prophets. Are you still following me? But then God in the fullness of time sends his son Jesus Christ as, as the fulfillment of the law, as the chief prophet, as, as the emissary of another world, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and, and on top of that, being right in every way a man can be right, Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, he comes and instead of saying, there, I did it. Every place you failed, I didn't. I proved it can be done. So you're all worthy of judgment now because it could have been done and you didn't do it. Instead of doing that, he says, what if I just give my righteous life for all the sinners that will ever, ever, ever breathe breath? And he gives his life. One sacrifice for all. John the Baptist knows it's coming, right? He's a prophet. He sees him. He goes, behold, everybody check it out. The Lamb of God who does what? Anybody know? That takes away what? The sins of the world. He knew it. He saw it coming. So when Jesus dies on the cross in the four gospels, it's not because he was punished for his sins. He took the punishment for mine. He took the punishment for ours. And the good thing about that is like, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Just, just threw that in there. That's free. You don't have to pay for that or tithe on that or anything, all right? Listen to me. So this is what happens. Now, Jesus, because death and sin are buddies, what happens is the, the wages of sin is, so those, the soul that sins shall surely die. Well, Jesus never sinned, but he died for our sins, pays for them all, and then he rises from the dead. Now, think about that for a second. So, yeah, I know, it's a, it's a deal breaker. It's a phone dropper. I'm with you. It's a water chucker, Lisa, I'm telling you. It's, and what happens is, I, Thursday, I'm sorry, Friday, he's dead. Buried, wrapped, borrowed tomb. Saturday, nothing changed. Sunrise, Sunday morning, an angel comes, moves away the stone, and God raises Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, from the dead. And the world goes, okay, what do we do with that? Because everything before this is different than everything after this event. It's almost, like, it's almost like time was split in two. Like there should have, like somebody should have said there was like a BC and an AD. Like, like this singular functionary life of Jesus changes everything. Now, Jesus isn't like the end scene. He says, now guys, the 12, well, the 11 that are left, figure it out, get another one, fill the blank. 
I'm going to walk with you for 40 days. You're going to see the resurrection. I'm going to walk into buildings with doors that are locked. I'm going to eat food just to show you there will be a feast in heaven. Pork will not be on the menu, but fish might be. So it'll still be good. It'll be good. It'll promise you'll be good. And, and what's going to happen is, is, is uh, whatever I want to happen happens. Like there's a, there's a glorified body that isn't limited like physical bodies are. And I'm, I'm showing you what's waiting for you on the other side of this thing you call life. Now, during that time, he says, now, I want you to take this. Now, this is we're getting into book Acts. I want you to take this. And here's, here's the deal, though. This isn't just for us. This isn't just for us. This isn't just for you 11 guys or 12 guys. This isn't just for the 120. This isn't for those that were, the thousands that were there at the Sermon on the Mount or Capernaum that were healing. This is for everybody everywhere. I'm not restoring a nation. I'm restoring the world into righteousness with God. So we got to have a plan. This is going to go MLM. We're, like, we're going to make Amway look lame. We're going to, we're going to go multi-level. We're going to disciple people who disciple people who disciple people who disciple people for generations to come. And so he says, listen, you're going to need some power because man's plans, as wonderful as they are, almost always fail. <laughs> Government. And, and, and our love, in spite of our great love for each other, how many of you guys know there's certain limitations certain challenges. So I'm going to give you something that is greater than the world around you called the Holy Spirit. Wait, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Wait in Jerusalem. Just sit there. Pray, be together, kind of flesh it out. There were thousands, but now it's down to 120. And wait for the Holy Spirit to be sent to you. On the day of Pentecost, they're all sitting in the same Honda. I don't understand it, but the Bible says they're all in one accord. (laughs) One of the greatest miracles of the Bible is that 120 people fit into one Honda. The guy's online, like, he's been teaching for 10 minutes. I needed that joke. I was, you're losing me completely. All right, here we go. And in, in this, all of a sudden, there's a sound of a, can I do it? And that, that was like, God was clearing his throat. No, it was a, it was a mighty, like the sound like a, of like a typhoon, like a mighty rushing, like last night. But it's in the room. It's not out the room. It's in the room. And you, and you can hear it. There's something like people's toupees are flying off and their tunics are flapping. There was no wind. It was just, it was just, but it sounded like it. And all of a sudden, these tongues of fire come and separate and they sit on top of the people that are there. And they begin, as they're baptized, baptizo means, we have the word baptism. It means not just to be sprinkled or even just to dunk. It, it means to be soaked in. They are soaked in the Holy Spirit. And I say, well, what's the big deal? So they rolled on the floor and there was sawdust. And it was revival. No, hear me. You shall receive what when the Holy Spirit comes on you? You'll receive power. Power to do what? Power to be a witness, a martos, or what we call a martyr, someone who would stand up for Jesus no matter the cost. Now, remember Peter. Peter's at the fire with the servant girl. Surely you're a Galilean because you're the... Uh, lady, come on. I don't, I don't even know the guy. But you got an accent. You just made sense. I, I, listen, I, may the fleas of a thousand camels infest my armpits if I should be telling you a lie. But all your buddies are like from Galilee too. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't know the man. So the same Peter who was at the fire and under fire, let's see, let's see what happens when someone gets soaked in the Holy Ghost. The same Peter who denied him to a servant girl stands up in front of thousands that once, just 50 days before that, said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. Okay, that's a good day. And when he preached that, 3,000 people said, we're in. Now, there wasn't 3,000 people there. There were a lot more people that said we're not in that were, than they said we're in, but they baptized. How do you guys know? That's a long day. Like, next. 
Next. <laughs> if there's like 11 of them, next. Oh, that one's mean. Hold him down. That's a Marine. Hold that one down a little bit longer until the bubbles stop coming up. Okay, let him up. Next. And so what happens is eventually they're kind of done and they kind of look at each other like, we were 120 this morning and now we're 3,120 people. So here's the question. That was all set up for this. So what do you do when you're surrounded by thousands of newly saved people from multiple generations, from all over the world, from every imaginable background, and you have nothing in common but Jesus. Let's, let's just do this. No, let's not. I was going to make a political statement. The people are so divided like other issues that we are divided on today. They had nothing in common, because in this part of the world, we do this. In that part of the world, we don't even eat those things. In that part of the world, we actually have God's language. In that part of the world, we're strictly Roman. In that part of the world, we're, we're more Greek. Well, we're more Egyptian. We're more Aramaic, really. I mean, we're all Jewish, but we're, you know, really, and I'm actually a Gentile when I woke up this morning, and you're an Orthodox, Pharisaical Jew, and now we've got to come together with nothing in common, and a thousand things that separate us, and the only thing holding the fabric of humanity together is the Savior named Jesus Christ. Isn't this beautiful? So, and by the way, there's no book to tell them what to do. Well, it says in the book of Brethekiah uh, that we should, you know, have a meeting, and it says in 2 Ualiah that we should uh, appoint, like, th- nobody knows what to do. But there's 11 dudes that were like fishermen yesterday and tax collectors yesterday, and now they're not. They're apostles, and there's thousands of people saying, what do we do? And they did what all great men and women of God done through the ages. They totally faked it. They just, they just did what seemed like the next right thing to do. So what were those things? Let's, let's talk about this for a second. They, they, they stayed focused on loving God. Why? Well, because Jesus said the first and the greatest commandment is to what? Love your Lord your God with all your... With all your... I, I dance and you said mind? Your soul? With all your... And all your... You guys may have noticed I've lost some weight in my biceps since last week. Having Shane Steckroth play me... As, and that was one of the greatest honors of my life. I feel like the lady from the blind side that got Sandra Bullock to play her part. You know what I mean? Like, I, like Shane Steckroth is my Sandra Bullock. That's all I'm saying. So they stayed focused on loving God. What else did they do? They stayed focused on loving people. Why? Because Jesus said, hey, as long as you talk about what's most important, let's talk about what's secondarily, like what's next in that line. It would be to love God, love people. And then there's this last thing. They, they committed themselves to, to loving and serving each other. And those in needs. Why? Because that's what Jesus has shown them to do. Sheep without shepherd. What's he do? He becomes a shepherd. People that are ignorant. What's he do? He teaches them. People who need healing. What's he do? He heals them. People who are demon-possessed. What's he do? He delivers them from the demonic possession. So they start saying, what do I have to give? How can I serve? I want to love God. I want to love people. And I want my words to, to be the beginning of my love for people, not the end of my love for people. Oh, I just love people like that. Do you? You ever made a casserole for someone like that? Don't tell me you love me unless you've made me a casserole. That's the point of today's message. That's what I'm saying. So this is, this is the record. Well, I, what makes you say that's what they did? Because of something in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. How many of you guys have heard of the church 242? This is the 242 and the 242. This is why they said this is what our church is. And you know what? Can I say something? Not only is 242 a great church, they're onto a great truth. Because we, we need to do the same thing. Let's change it to Freedom Center, Assembly of God with signs and fire following 242 church. And we'll come up with an acronym, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let me say this. I I think that's just as true today as it was then. If you're saying, listen, I gave my life to Jesus a year ago, and I don't know what to do. 
I'm not a believer yet in Jesus. I don't know what to do. Hey, I am so excited about Jesus, but I need someone to disciple me, and I don't know what to do. This is what you should do. You should devote yourself to apostolic teaching. You should devote yourself to being with other believers. You should devote yourself to, to the common experience of food together, together in unity. You should, you, should, you should find a place and you should find a people that trust God and you should pray together. I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. You can never again say, I don't know what's next. That's what's next. Let's just break this down for a second. You guys good with this? Apost- what is apostolic teaching? So apostolic teaching is when the guy's really loud and he's really mean and he, and he does a turkey trot at the end. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, no. I think I might have hurt myself. I may need divine healing by the time this is over with. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that person's not apostolic. I, I am saying this though. The, apost- the apostles' teaching was about who? Prosperity. No, no. The apostles' teaching was about who? Donald Trump. No, no, no. The apostles' teaching was about who? Build back better. No. The apostles' teaching was about Jesus. What is apostolic teaching? It's talking about Jesus. Those who knew him best, those who walked with him the farthest, those who'd known him the longest just started talking about Jesus. Hey, Pete, get up, get up. Tell that one time that, that, like, Jesus said, get out of the boat, and you freaked out. Come on, come on. This is a great story. Yeah, I wet my tunic every time he shares this. Come on, Pete, come on up here. Well, it was the middle of the night, middle of the lake, middle of the storm. My granddaddy's granddaddy said, anything, you get in a storm, man, stay with that boat. Because the only thing I'll be floating in the morning is the boat. Got to stay with the boat. So I said, Jesus, hey, if that's really you, let me do something that I could only do if, you know, he's like, why don't you walk on water? Like, oh, okay. Well, wisdom dictates in the book of Solomon where he, uh, and he does it. And everybody kind of goes, you walked on water? Pete, come on, John, you were there. Did he really? I, I'm telling you, from here to there, the dude walked on water. And, and then Jesus carried him back every step of the way. Well, what happened? Well, he, he saw the wind and he saw the waves and it, the, the circumstances around him, the storm around him became the storm in him and he started to sink. And then, and then Peter would say, yeah, guys, you know, that's not just true then, that's true today. You let the storms around you get on the inside of you and you'll sink too, even though you're not on the lake. You're, we're all going through what we're going through. We've got an emperor that hates us and Nero's on his way and he's going to kill most of us. So we better learn this now, that if you'll just keep your eyes on Jesus, Jesus will help you do the things you can't do without him. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? The apostles' teaching is telling what Jesus said. I remember we just, we just I just really got called. It was like the day before I got called, and Jesus said, okay, all right, you're an apostle, you're a disciple, follow me. They say, no, I'm sitting on a mountainside. The dude's like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, I don't feel blessed, my spirit feels poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Like, mm, no, been to some funerals. No, blessed are those who persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil. I, I remember walking away going, I'm not sure I want to be a disciple anymore because this guy thinks sadness is happy and tragedy is triumph and I don't, I think he's trying to teach me something but I don't quite get it. And it wasn't until later that I realized that in my weakest points, I realized how strong he really is. And they said, oh, that's the, I heard those teachings. I heard those words, but I didn't know what they meant. So you've been through this. Oh, buddy. I, I mean, I, we all ran in terror because we forgot his words, but when he came back, we all remembered what he told us. And that's a lesson for you. Don't ever forget the promises he's made you. We did it, and when we all walked away, but we learned that day that God's promises are true and he's merciful to take us back when we don't believe him. That, guys, that's apostolic teaching. Does that make sense? It wasn't loud and snorty and filled with offerings and promotional videos that are available and for our love gift of this month. It's not. They just talked about 
Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching. Secondly, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Well, what does that mean? That means they talked about Jesus with each other. They were a bunch of fellows all on the same ship. They fished together. They ate together. They, I mean, remember, most of the people that were there for the day of Pentecost, they were from someplace else. So they could have gone home, but like something's happening here, and we don't want to go home. Well, what do you do if you got a home, and all of your out-of-town relatives are in town for Passover, and now it's Pentecost? How many guys know that relatives and fish all stink after about three days? It's time for you. Mom, that was for you. My mother taught me that. It's kind of a funny family saying we have. But this is their clue. The word fellowship there means participation, partnership, contribution. It doesn't mean I come to your house and you cook the food and I put my muddy boots on your table and I leave what I want to and you get stuck cleaning. It means, it means fellow, like these partners, like I'm a part of this. You're a part of this. We're a part of this. I, I came in last Thursday night and sat right back over here. There was a table. And on the table, somebody had stopped by, what's the new cookie store? Crumble. I don't want to promote a business. Crumble cookies, awesome. And they had quartered the cookies because they're, you know, they're not cookies, they're pancakes. Let's face it, they're, gi- they're giant pancakes. And uh, they quartered them. I, I said, ooh, and I walked over to grab one. I'm not going to say who because I'm going to embarrass my daughter-in-law, Lauren. But my, somebody said to me, hey, this is the women's Bible study. Get out of here. Like it was the, the, the she-man man-haters club or something. You know what I mean? Like, what? I'm the pastor. I can be here, you know? And, and I, I, okay, ladies, you can have your cookies. Go ahead. I'll have your cookies. And, and then I walked out to the, and the, the youth had pizza. Hey, you want a piece of pizza? Like, the youth are nicer than the women of this church. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> There's a point to my message. That's the secondary one, but it's a good one. <laughs> and and I, I went out there, and then I walked in. Like, Pastor Carl's got a Bible study back. I walked in, and they didn't have any adult supervision. And I, I just started hanging out. And we're talking about, what's this? And what'd you do? Hey, how was last Sunday? And can I tell you something, guys? One of the things I love about this place is you don't have to know people to know people here. Because it, it isn't like, well, you know, we're kind of a congregation that leans in. Like, no, we're a congregation that leans into Jesus, into forgiveness, into mercy, into his grace, into his love. You want to talk to me about politics? I'll talk to you about politics. What pr- proposition, what I do with prop number 47? I, we can talk about that because I, I love to be an advisor in your life. Again, I read Proverbs, but at the same time, how do you guys know I'd rather not talk about politics as much as I want to talk about Jesus? So that's, that's that thing that holds it together. I was talking about my best friends, Dan Abel. Yesterday he called me and said, the Holy Spirit told me you missed me. I said, shut up, you missed me. Come on, let's go. Make it spiritual, Baptist guy. You know, and, and I said, uh, so we were talking, hanging out, and I said, you know what, we, we started on this. What about this, and what about that proposition? Who are you gonna vote for? And about 20 minutes into it, I said, you know what, how about, how about we just don't talk about this anymore? What is God doing in your life? And he asked me, what is God doing in your life? And I, we, let's just talk more about Jesus. How many guys know we'd be better off if we just talked more about Jesus. You may be off of social media, but if you're not off the stuff social media is complaining about, you're not off social media. Just because there's no media involved doesn't mean, boy, that's a wonderful conviction just fell over the house of God. Should I do the turkey trot? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That must have been apostolic, right? Third thing they did, they broke bread. Why? Because they they wanted to experience Jesus together. Jesus is not a one-dimensional flannel graph, man. Jesus created the sense of smell and sound and, and sight and, hallelujah, taste and touch and all, all those senses. Why? Because we can embrace Jesus together. When I come into your home and you got chili on the stove, I know it's going to be a good night. And it's, it's going to be a warm night. Should I sing the Bette Miller song, You're the Wind Beneath My Sheets? No, okay, one second, one second. Good. 
But I, when I come into your home and there's like bread and there's roast and there's cat, come on now. How many guys know tater tots have a glory all their own, right? Cream of mushroom soup on anything makes it better. Pot roast, come on. Best amen I got in 10 years, brother. I appreciate that. But we come together and there's this beautiful meal and there's, let me just say this. Yesterday we had our grandkids. They are perfect in every way. My wife, for a almost four-year-old boy and a just barely three-year-old girl, made a charcuterie board. It had all their favorite foods on it. There were mini muffins. There were Cheetos. There were gummy bears. There was there's healthy food. There's was fruit. There was fruit on there of some sort. There was salami on there full of protein and good healthy fats. There was cheese on there. And she said, take whatever you want. Do you know what happens when you tell a four-year-old and a three-year-old, take whatever you want? Hollis reached over and grabbed a handful of salami and just put it on his plate. What, what was happening was this, is we were sharing, like the TV's off, the phones are away, the music's not on, and now the four of us are going to share a meal together. How many guys know Jesus likes to be a part of something like that? So they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. You say, well, what does it mean about the breaking of bread? It can mean communion. We're going to celebrate communion in about five minutes together. But it, it doesn't just mean communion. How many guys were a part of the Seder dinner last spring we had in this room? We did the whole Passover thing. We ate, you know, haretz, and we did the, I spoke in Hebrew and cleared my throat, and everybody thought I was really smart and spiritual, you know? I'm, I am telling you this, like, please hear me. What, they, what we did that night, everybody walked away saying, worship was just different, and the meal was just different, and the, experiencing the bitterness of suffering and slavery by tasting a mouthful of horseradish, it, it brought you to a new level. Hear me. God doesn't just want you to go to church. He wants to take everything home with you, including each other. I want to go to a friendly church. After about a month, I want friends. How does a friendly church become a church of friends? You eat horseradish. You hang out. November 17th, I wrote it down, 6.30, a community meal, right? I know I work here, but I, I don't know everything. But that, and we're going to do that again. It's going to be a Thanksgiving meal, right? Will there be worship that night or... Okay, so the worship will be the fellowship, though, the breaking of bread. I'm just saying this, guys. So I, you know, I go to that church, I just don't feel a part of it. Then why don't you become a part of it? Because I'm having a blast being a part of it. <laughs> Last thing is they devoted themselves to prayer. Worship team, join me if you would. They, they talked to Jesus individually, but they also shared their needs corporately, and they prayed together. We see it all over Scripture, don't we? The book of Acts, they're like, you know, so-and-so got arrested so-and-so, but what are we going to do? Right, let's all get together. Let's have a prayer meeting. One of my favorite prayer meetings, they're praying, God, set Peter free. They're going to kill him. God, set Peter. God, there's a knock at the door, and Rhoda, the servant girl, goes to the door, <laughs> and she goes, who is it? Because, you know, they're all afraid of being arrested. She goes, it's Peter. Let me in. She goes, no, no, you're, you're dead. Can't be you. She goes to the people praying for his deliverance. She goes, Peter's at the door. They're like, you're nuts. It must be his angel. It must be his ghost knocking at the door. How many of us know there are prayer meetings and there are prayer meetings? Their expectation was probably like, let him die with peace, Lord. But God set him free and he knocked on the door. That makes a good prayer meeting. Come on up here, team. Come on up here, right? So these three things or these four things, they're not four things. They're just one thing. You can put those up there. Well, you put up all four of those. The enjoyment of Jesus' teaching, the enjoyment of the people of Jesus' fellowship, the enjoyment of, of the corporate experience of Jesus, breaking of bread, and the enjoyment of the corporate expectation of Jesus. I mean, no, those aren't four things. A church needs to have all four of those. You need to have friends that have all four of those. We have an expectation of Jesus. We enjoy the presence, the experience of Jesus. We listen to Jesus. We talk about Jesus. You say, you're not saying Jesus an awful lot. Yes, I am. Because we talk about a lot of things that we really should talk less about. And I'm on my lawnmower saying, God, I... 
I don't know if I'm wise, I don't know if I'm foolish, I don't know, but I, I know I'm ready for more of you. How do I do it? He said, talk more about me. Listen more about me. Be around people that don't want to talk about anything but me. And I'm telling you guys, during this journey in the book of Acts for the next few weeks we're going to do today and the next few weeks, would you join me in just saying, Jesus, speak to me. Jesus, lead me to people. Jesus, lead me to casseroles. Jesus, lead me to prayer. Lead me to people who know how to pray. If I'm too weak to pray, lead me to someone who's strong enough to pray for me. You ever been so sick you couldn't pray for your own healing? So discouraged you couldn't pray for your own encouragement? So scared you couldn't pray for your own peace? Aren't you glad that we go through situations so that when someone else goes through them, you have the substance they now need? What if we became the people we needed last year? What if we became the people that people around us need tomorrow? All I know is this, guys. This is not a church that Paul built. This is not a church that Apollos built. This is not a church the Assemblies of God built. This is the church that Jesus built. So we should talk a lot about Jesus. It's not bad to talk about the Phillies. It's not bad to talk about, you know, the Astros. It's not bad to talk about Michigan. It's not bad. It's it's bad to talk about Ohio State, but it's not bad. I'm not saying don't talk about, I'm just saying this. If we are talking more about anything else besides the one who saved our soul, the one who sent his spirit, the one who gives us purpose in life, maybe it's time to adjust what we're talking about. In and on and around your chair. Babe, can I give that to you? I'm sorry, sister, babe, as you recalled last week on the skip. Um, they're the cups. I'm going to give you a minute because my eyes and my fingers in a semi-lit room make that a pretty miraculous event to get. Now, there's, there's two layers. You peel, you peel the top thing off, and there's the bread. You peel the bottom thing off, and there's the, the juices underneath that. So I'm going to give you a second. But why are we doing this? Because I, I think this. COVID, we didn't do this because we couldn't get up and leave our seats. And how many guys know COVID's over with now? I mean, it's still here, but let's, let's not let it change our behavior at this point, Right? So we are going together, together celebrate the Lord's Supper in our way. I wish we had herets and apples and walnuts and cinnamon. I wish we had all the, you know, the, the bitterness. I wish, we, but this is what we do have. We have the presence of Jesus and each other. And if our heart is to honor him, how many of you guys know honoring him is an honor? When we honor him, man, God honors us. When Stephen stood up for Jesus, Jesus stood up for Stephen. I mean, it's, it's all over scripture. So take that in your hands and let's just pray for a moment. Close your eyes. Father, I pray there's anybody here like, I cannot partake of the body and the blood of Christ. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready. I'm not right. Then let them just put it back down again if they want to. There's no compulsion to do this. There's no peer pressure to, to do a religious thing if our hearts are not in the right place. Secondly, God, if our hearts are in the right place, then remind us of what we hold in our hand and its purpose in this world. The body was pierced and bruised, nailed to a cross. The blood poured out of your side, out of your hands, out of your head, out of your feet. That's not just a piece of jewelry or, or a holy moment in history. That is the purchasing and the redemption and the paying the ransom for all mankind. Jesus, we thank you that you are a savior, not a governor. We thank you that you're a savior. You're a teacher. You're a friend. You're a sender of the Holy Spirit. You're you're a door to the Father. You're you're the good shepherd. And today, good shepherds call bad sheep home. (laughs) And we've all been bad sheep, God. Father, I pray right now, would you just, in this moment of grace, pour your spirit out such a way that we would respond to that grace by saying forgive me come on right now where you are you don't have to put the cup back down again but you do need to lift your heart up say god help me and forgive me of all this my life 
is yours. Just like you gave your life for me, I give my life for you. Not because I have to, but because gratitude demands. It demands a response. It demands a reaction. Somebody saves my life. I don't forget them. God, you saved more than just my life. Would you take that bread in your hands right now? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he given thanks, when he blessed it, he blesses it. He says, this is my body. And then he begins to tear it as his body would soon be torn. And he hands it to hungry men. He says, this is my body. Peter, this is my body. John, this is my body. James, this is my body. This is my body. Judas, this is my body. This is my body. Right now, God, I pray that we'd hold that bread in our hands like those men held that bread in their hands. You bless something. And a few people can be fed with blessed things, but the multitudes are only fed by broken things. Just a few moments, that whip will come down on your back. But in that moment, they just knew that what was in front of them needed to be inside of them. And they took that bread and they ate. So God, in the same way, we take this bread and we partake of the body of Jesus Christ. Would you do that right now? Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he holds it up and he blesses it. He says, this cup is my blood that establishes a brand new agreement, a new contract, a new covenant between all mankind and God himself. The laws, the offerings, the sacrifices, they've all been fulfilled. Right now, you don't need bulls and goats and rams. I am the Lamb of God and I take away the sins of the world. What you hold in your hands is the blood that establishes a new covenant, a new agreement between God and mankind for the forgiveness, not the covering, not, not the whitewashing, the washed white of sins. Gone, 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 gone. It, it, it's, it's not a painting over rust and stain. It's not putting a, a potted plant over the, the, the spot that's broken. It's a brand new, born all over again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation life purchased by a loving father through a sacrificial son. Would you take that cup in your hand and just thank him in your own way right now. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Take a drink whenever you're ready. God, drink all the way to the bottom, man. We don't take this lightly. We don't sip the good stuff off the top and leave things in the bottom. We, we take this all the way, God. All the way. All the way, God. All the way, Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? It says, after this, they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. We're going to do the same thing right now. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And he's our hero. Amen. Come on. Lift your hearts to the day. Pour.